Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Our guest this week is Ben Kennedy, who became a first-time winner in the Camping World Truck Series at Bristol Motor Speedway two weeks ago. Victory was among the most popular this season on social media, drawing a flurry of well wishes from names such as Jimmy Johnson, Austin Dillon, and Joey Logano. Now, inaugural victories typically generate that kind of buzz, but there's another layer to the Ben Kennedy storyline, and it's that he is a member of Stock Car Racing's first family. Ben is the son of International Speedway Corporation CEO Lisa France Kennedy. He is the nephew of NASCAR CEO Brian France, and the great-grandson of Bill France, the man who started NASCAR. Ben grew up immersed in the business of racing and with a behind-the-scenes view, so we naturally talked about that and what it's meant for his burgeoning racing career. He's had quite a wild ride bouncing between teams the past two seasons before finding some stability in 2016 with GMS Racing, so we discussed that as well. I think you'll find that Ben doesn't come across as an heir apparent in a family whose net worth has been estimated in the billions. He comes across as fairly unassuming, and that certainly is how he'd prefer it. He is a curious, inquisitive, and modest sort, and I think that, among other things, makes him well-liked among his peers. But if history is an indication, this is someone who could play a major role in the direction of NASCAR, regardless of how his racing career works out inside the truck or the car. So keep that in mind while listening to his thoughts on social media and his thoughts on attracting a younger audience, that this is someone who has the ear of those making the sport's big decisions and might be trusted with making some instrumental calls on those topics in the future. And also know that we did this podcast a week before the death of Ben's grandmother, Betty Jane France. Our condolences to Ben and the France family on her passing. As always, we appreciate you listening. If you're hearing us via iTunes, please leave a rating or review, or please subscribe or have your friends subscribe. It really helps us out. There are many other options for finding us. Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. We generally have episodes every Wednesday. 
If you are subscribed on iTunes or elsewhere, you won't miss an episode. A brief programming note that NASCAR America is on daily at NBCSN, usually at 6 p.m., though tonight, August 31st, it's on from 8 to 9 p.m. with a special Darlington preview. This weekend is a big one here at NBC Sports for NASCAR. It's the second annual throwback Southern 500 weekend from Darlington Raceway. On Friday, you can watch Sprint Cup and Xfinity practices during the afternoon on NBCSN. Xfinity and Sprint Cup qualifying on Saturday will be on NBCSN. And the Xfinity race on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. will be on NBC. Sunday, the pre-race coverage for the Southern 500 will be on NBCSN from 5 to 6 p.m., and then the Southern 500 will be shown on NBC starting at 6. And a reminder that all of our NASCAR coverage always is available for streaming via the NBC Sports app. You can download that to your tablet or smartphone or watch on your laptop. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Ben Kennedy, which we taped on the 18th floor of the NASCAR Plaza building in Charlotte on Monday, August 22nd. Ben, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure this has been busy week in the aftermath of, of your win at Bristol. What it has. has it been so far? Yeah, it's it's been good. Um, got to take the weekend off a little bit, so had some off time there, but it's it's been crazy. Um, you know, Thursday, I, I had a pretty, pretty relaxed day, just responding to a bunch of text messages and emails and social media and all that stuff, and then did some media on Friday, um, and then we were at the shop in the morning, kind of did some pictures with the team and whatnot especially the, the guys at the shop. Um, and then, like I said, took the weekend off and back at it again today. And uh, tomorrow we're going to get the whole whole team together for a little celebration dinner. And then Wednesday we're already we're headed back to Michigan, back to the racetrack. Right. So it's it's a quick turnaround. Yeah, this is, uh, I should say, we're, we're taping this on the Monday uh, after Bristol weekend. And uh, Michigan looms here just in a few days on Saturday with that next truck race. Uh, t- tell me about GMS racing is, I'm sure, I unfortunately don't know as much as i should um small team i would think um how many guys were they based it's uh it's probably about 70 people or so 60 70 people based out of statesville north carolina so um if you know where statesville airport is you pretty much know where the shop is (laughs) um it's uh you know for a a truck team i think it's a decent size uh we have three to four full-time truck teams there so me johnny Sauter, spencer gallagher uh, and then Kaz Grawlett and Grant and Finger kind of share the 24 truck. So it's uh, it's an awesome team they've put together. I mean, we've got uh, Jeff Sakowitz, Joe Shear, my crew chief, Joey Cohen, um, and, and Mike Beam being over there is a huge asset as well. And uh, really, it's it's been impressive. You know, we've, we've kind of had a switch in the middle of the off season, or in the middle of the season, I should say. And, um, you know, they've, they've welcomed me with open arms, and it's uh, it's been a great opportunity. Right. It's been somewhat serendipitous that you've ended up with this team i want to ask you about that ben i mean it, I, I heard you say after the win at bristol that that in a way this season's been like a blessing in disguise in some ways but i would think that it's also been at times probably some, a little bit disconcerting a little bit unnerving it, just tell me about like what the, the ride's been because i know you started out with the three races at red horse and then you land at gms did you did you have a feeling this opportunity would happen how did it all transpire no, I, I didn't really have a feeling at all. Um, you know, we, we ran with Red Horse last year, did three races this year, and uh, I, I really enjoyed working with those guys. Scott Zibidelli, the entire team over there, such good people, such hard workers. Um, and, and I enjoyed my time at Red Horse, don't get me wrong. It was, uh, it was a great team. They're making a lot of improvements, and 
I uh, I kind of hated to leave at that time because they had they had done a lot in the off season to really get ready for the season and uh, unfortunately it just didn't work out there and um, you know I, I I hated to do it in the middle of the season um, unfortunately fortunately we had about a month and a half break between Martinsville and our next race which was Kansas so had a little bit of turnaround time um, to to kind of get acclimated to GMS racing and and you know how we work and how they work so. Um, you know, just making sure everyone kind of reads the same language before we went to Kansas. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, a lot of it was last-minute details um, from wraps to setups to who the crew chief's going to be. Um, and we kind of bounced back and forth between crew chiefs. Um, we had Joey for a race, had Jeff Sankowitz for a race, had Marcus Richmond for a race. Um, so we kind of hopped back and forth. And then once we got to Iowa, uh, you know, I, th- I think we were pretty much set on you know we're going to be in the 33 you're going to be a joey cohen my crew chief going to have this team um and it's it's been a really positive experience um you know it's been a good learning experience for me um and, and my internal team but also uh you know just the entire team on the competition side and, and how we we read each other's language um it's you know it's important to get to the track you only have an hour 45 minutes to two and a half hours of, of practice which in, in theory kind of sounds like a long time but really you're you're hustling and bustling and this is joey joey and mine six race so um mm-hmm. for us to get a win in, in only six races together i i see that as an accomplishment did you know all along that this was gonna gonna be there for you or were this was there a period post martinsville where you thought this could be the end like maybe the career doesn't keep going or i don't know um you know we uh we kind of split up with, with Red Horse, and, um, you know, I, I was on the phone a lot with a ton of teams, um, just about everybody in the garage <laughs> area, really. Yeah. Um, it was all about, you know, what what opportunities were out there um, and which one, at the end of the day, made the most sense, you know. The last thing that, that I wanted to do or we wanted to do was, was come in and, and put a race team in a bad situation, you know, put them – um, above and beyond or take away from anyone else's program. Um, you know, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to be competitive. I want to go out there and, and be in good equipment. But, um, you know, I also didn't want to mess up anybody else's year. Um, and, and, you know, I, that was my communication going to GMS. I said, you know, look, I want to come. I want to be a part of your team as much as you guys do. But I really don't want to mess up Grant or Johnny or Spencer or Kaz, anybody here. Um, you know, I, I want to do our thing and be competitive, but I want to be smart about it as well. Some of that uh, surreal feeling, I'm sure, might stem from um, the, the reaction to your win. Uh, I know uh, even during the, the post-race interview, you had Brett Moffitt come in and I think pour <laughs> ice water on you. And meanwhile, your, your Twitter is blowing up with right. all these uh, tweets from people like Joey Logano and Austin Dillon and Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd that make you feel? It was really neat. Uh, it's it's always great to see the outpour, not only from the drivers and your competitors, but from the fans as well. Um, just everybody's positive reaction to it, and uh, and everyone commented on how exciting the race was. And uh, I didn't really get a chance that night to go through much of it. We, uh, we we got some sleep, and I woke up, and that next afternoon, I think I woke up with like 127 text messages or something. I had already <laughs> gone through. You know, maybe 20 of them, but um, I think it's 127 text messages and then Twitter. I just you can't even keep up with it. So um, just all the outpour and and reactions, you know, from the drivers and the fans is is really cool to see. Did you know all those guys um, 
you know, obviously you, you come from a racing family for those who don't are unaware of this. Ben is the son of Lisa France Candy, who is a chairwoman of International Speedway Corporation, great grandson of the person who founded NASCAR, Bill France. Did, did you have a relationship with those drivers prior to starting racing or did you get to know them better as you've raced in the trucks the last few years or, or how did that, how did that come to be? Yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, some of them are kind of longtime family friends like Carl Edwards. We, we knew him when he was running uh, short tracks, just touring around before he even was in trucks. <laughs> um, so he's kind of a family friend. And then, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson I, and all those other guys, you just kind of, you bump into them yeah, throughout the way, whether it's, a media day or at the racetrack or this that the other and um you know being in the truck series you, you see guys like kyle bush and keselowski um and then every now and then the dylan brothers so um i, I think you know through all that re- chemistry and relationships I've, I've, I've built those relationships just just being around the garage area and and uh kind of exposed to it hmm. did, did it catch you off guard that they you know, overwhelmed you that way with that outpouring of support when, when you finally broke through with that win? A little bit. Um, you know, it's it was cool to see uh, just, I mean, everybody really, you know, uh, the Dillons and, um, you know, it was, it was cool to go and see Austin win and then Joey Logano. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever met Joey Logano, but <laughs> it was pretty cool to, to see his reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Keselowski and um, Harvick texted me. He's, he's been... Uh, a huge help to me um and jimmy johnson as well so um you know it's it's cool to see all those guys um reach out to you because you you know i think you really look up to him being a driver and everybody wants to make it to cup series everybody wants to be those guys um so to see their reactions and uh and kind of talk about it afterwards is is really special and uh, i think another point to that is that you know we're learning a lot from these guys and it's i think it's cool that i could go up to a, a kevin harvick or a keselowski or jimmy johnson or any of those guys carl edwards and i can ask them you know tell me something about this race at michigan or bristol wherever it is and you know nine times out of ten they're gonna, they're gonna be 100 percent candid with you and they're gonna help you um a lot so you know getting their their uh insight and you know, just to their experience, they've been around the sport for a lot of them for decades, and and to get their experience uh, and, and their insight on it is is invaluable. Right. Uh, I, I've seen you interact with other drivers, so I know that you've ingratiated yourself very well. It doesn't surprise me that they would be so candid and and want to in, inform you, and because you don't carry yourself as somebody who's you know, fourth generation Scion of the most powerful family in stock car racing. You carry yourself as another driver. I've seen you interact with like the Daryl Wallace juniors of the world and, and uh, mm-hmm. at the track. Um, is, is that important to you to, to ensure that like you are treated like another driver and not treated differently because of your Absolutely. Your yeah. yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, technically I am another driver, um, you know, and, a lot of people ask me what what this means to me and my family and everything and it's it's really special it's you know it's it's cool to think about but at the end of the day i mean they're family um Mm -hmm. you know their grandmother and mother and uncle and um xyz just just like a lot of other people have family so um you know at the end of the day i'm a racer and i'm gonna get tech the same way that anybody else does if I, you know, I'm close on a restart, they're going to go back and review it. Um, you know, so I, I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to be held to the, the same standards that 
anybody else's and maybe a little bit higher. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I want. If I want to race, I want to do it the right way. You know, I don't want to do it um, by cheating or doing this, that, the other. Because in the back of your mind, you're going to be thinking that. And I'm not really going to think that you deserve this win. And, um, you know, I could tell you, Bristol the other night, I feel like we earned that win. Right. Um, it yeah. wasn't a rain out. Right. We weren't doing anything crazy. We were on 170 lap old tires. I mean, the, the tires were falling apart, cording, and uh, we won that race. So, it, you know, to me, it, it makes the win that much more special. Right, right. So you want to prove that you belong regardless, but... If a fringe benefit is you hear from Joey Logano, who you've never met before in your yeah. life on Twitter, that's not bad either. If yeah. That's because of your, you know, he knows you because of your name. Absolutely. Um, you weren't the only big story out of the truck series last weekend. There was, there was William Byron uh, getting hired by, by Hendrick Motorsports, signing that multi-year deal. Uh, having this breakthrough happen uh, in such close proximity that, to that news event, I mean, obviously that, that shows that, truck teams are, are, are being looked at as a potential talent pool for, for the Sprint Cup powerhouses. Um, it, it, does that embolden you a little bit, give you some encouragement? Because there's there's always talk about all these veterans that are, are going to be retiring soon. Some of those guys that you mentioned, like the Jimmy Johnsons, Kevin Harvick's, who are in their 40s now and they're not going to be racing forever. D- d- does it give you some encouragement here that you see a guy who you've raced against in William Byron getting hired by a Hendrick and now you're doing well winning a race. Maybe that could set you up for the future. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it gives, uh, any, any guy that's running trucks or Xfinity, some sort of, uh, hope out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and William's done a great job going over there, um, you know, running for KBM and, uh, and having a lot of success in the, the K&N East series. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think he deserves it, but at the same time, you know, it, I think it's kind of a reminder that we're all under the microscope, you know, whether we're in the truck series, the Xfinity series, that, you know, the Rick Hendricks and Richard Childresses and Penske's of the world, they're they're looking at the truck series and they're looking at these developmental series uh, for, for the next big name and then the next cup superstar. So, um, you know, I think if anything, at the end of the day, it's a reminder for us that, you know, it, if we perform, there could be opportunities there. So. Um, we just got to keep doing the best that, that we could possibly do. And, uh, you know, I think that's all that really matters. What we've talked about, obviously that the, the highlight of your career recently here with the Bristol win, what have been some of the toughest moments from 2014, 2015? Cause I know, yeah, I, obviously this season's gone well, but it, it wasn't always great the first couple of years. Yeah. It's, uh, been a roller coaster for sure. Um, Super Speedways haven't been nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Speedway I, uh, in particular, I think, would be one. Kentucky, or? yeah, I didn't like that. That wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talladega, I don't think I finished a race there. Oh, um, Daytona, we, they, we didn't have much success there. So uh, Super Speedways haven't been nice to me. And then uh, you talk about Kentucky and uh, you know all, all the incidents and everything. But um, I, th- I think 14 was uh, – a big kind of learning curve for me. Um, you know, I, I, I began that year and, um, at Turner Scott Motorsports and, um, I was actually interning for NBC sports network for the Olympics at the time. So, um, it was was busy first couple of months for me, um, just nonstop and, you know, trying to get my degree for college, which I got in May, which was really neat. And I finally had a little bit of off time, uh, not off time, we're still racing. So I'd, two or three months in, in the summer where it's relatively calm. And then, um, you know, kind of that whole, um, you know, I guess falling apart of the organization, which was uh, kind of unfortunate for us uh, around the Canada weekend. But 
thankfully we we're, were able to push pull it together and, and make it through the rest of the year so um, you know that I think that was kind of a, a low part of uh, you know my career to this state and uh, you know I, I thought we had good runs last year had some unfortunate circumstances again it was you know loose wheels and running out of gas and this that the other and uh, I hated it because it seemed like every time we had a good run going for us, one of those things would happen. It would never happen to us when uh, we didn't have a good run going, you know, we, whether we were struggling with issues on the truck or balance problems. Um, so it's it's been tough. Uh, I think the, the biggest difficulty for me is keeping a positive or at least neutral mindset through all this. And even though you might have a bad weekend this weekend, that tomorrow's a new day and next weekend is going to be uh, pretty much a fresh start. So um, I think us keeping that mindset and then, you know, coming to GMS and just the, the refreshed outlook on, on everything um, has been really helpful. So 2014, just to make, make sure I got this straight, you, you graduated from Florida sports mm-hmm. business degree. Is that right? Yeah, sports management. Okay, sports management. Okay, and first year in the crash, the uh, Camping World Truck Series and the team virtually kind of implodes, but you hang on, you make it through the end of the year. And you also intern in Stamford, Connecticut, which mm-hmm. plug for this podcast, NBC. <laughs> um, that's a lot going on for uh, <laughs> for one season. It um, was. Yeah. It was a lot. It was, uh, it was very tough. Um, when we were working the Olympics, it was – 65 to 70 hour weeks that was the sochi game. Uh, yeah the yeah. sochi game so okay. um i was back and forth between connecticut and new york uh is like i said it was 60 to 70 hour weeks and it was uh it was non-stop i mean working saturday and sunday and uh thankfully they were nice enough to me that <laughs> i uh, i could come back for days like media days in daytona and uh you know i kind of let them know that i kind of got to be down there for this big race in Daytona and uh, in Martinsville as well. And we were doing some testing. So um, it, it was it was a busy time. We had preseason thunder. I had to, you know, try to try to get out for that. So um, definitely made up for it during the Olympics, though, because it, uh, it was it was a crazy busy time up there and uh, really cool to work with those guys. And um, just all around a, a cool experience. It's one of those deals that uh, – I'll, I'll be candid. I, I wasn't really looking forward to going to Connecticut from <laughs> January to April. I landed as negative five degrees in like a 20 mile per hour wind. I think the, the index was like negative 20 or negative 25 <laughs> or something. And, uh, I have so much more respect for everybody that lives up in that area. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But, uh, looking back on it, I, I, I don't regret it at all. It's a cool experience. Having flown into white plains a few times during January, I can I can appreciate where you're coming from. <laughs> Although Stanford, I think, has its charms. It's not the uh, not the worst place in the world to live. It's actually kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, th- do you have any desire to go back and work in sports media if the racing thing ever didn't work out? Or um, racing is number one right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you know it, it was cool. It was really cool. Um, you know, I, I just think my my pace is a little a little bit more upbeat than kind of sitting in a cube every day. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for everybody that does it and. Um, you know, there's some really smart people, as, you know, in, in every business. But um, I'm enjoying the racing now, and uh, I hope it works out. Cool. I'm gonna. Uh, you mentioned that 2014 media day where they so graciously let you go to <laughs> Daytona. Uh, I was there that day, and uh, you talked to a few of us. And something. I'm just gonna read you something you said when you were asked about your mom. 
you said that I try not to ask mom about racing. Whenever it comes up in conversation, it kind of gets uncomfortable, but she's getting better with it. I know it's tougher <laughs> at the beginning, running short tracks and late models and getting in wrecks and her witnessing those cups, first couple of times I was involved in that. But I think it's sort of growing on her. So that was that was two and a half years ago. That's a lot has happened since then. Now you're a first time Camping World Truck Series winner. Um, how does she deal with your career now? How does she, how does she adapt to do it? She's gotten better with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. She's gotten very competitive. Really? Um, yeah. She gets so competitive. And um, I, I haven't seen her, obviously, but I hear stories of her watching my race, whether it's on television or she's, you know, up in the stands. Um, and it sounds like she gets into it. I've seen a couple of videos <laughs> and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, she's one of those really competitive moms. It's cool the other night to get a, uh, a voicemail from her and just hear the emotion in her voice uh, after that win at Bristol. And, it was kind of uh, kind of ironic because she landed, um, you know, was was planning on staying for the race, and unfortunately the weather didn't look good, uh, and, and she had one opportunity to get go home, and she was she was on gra- ground in Bristol for about thirty minutes, and uh, I think by the time she got home and everything, uh, we were about getting ready to start the race. So uh, unfortunately, she was she was uh, at Bristol earlier, but missed it, but. I think all in all, she's gotten better with it. You always have those races like Kentucky and Talladega. Uh, she gets really nervous uh, with the super speedways, but um, you know, with the big wreck in Kentucky, obviously, yep. raised a lot of concern for her. But uh, thankfully, you know, she was watching on TV, and I think they played my voice talking on the radio, saying that I'm okay. And she told me that you know that's it was really comforting for me that that to hear your voice, you know, and I'm she was pretty glad that they, they put it on TV. So. Um, I think she's gotten better with it, and I think she's she really kind of understands the, the safety aspect to it right. of it now. You know, we don't skip a beat when it comes to safety. Um, you know, I, I feel like you can't really put a price on safety at the end of the day. So um, I think she's starting to understand how, how safe these cars really are. Right. And I would think that, I mean, given Ben that you that you grew up around it, she had to know this was going to be a possibility that you were you were probably going to enter this career. I can remember, I think it was a Talladega race sponsored by ea sports like 10 or 11 years ago where <laughs> they had like a video game set up they were promoting some new uh, nascar arena game and you were there playing it and seemed very into it i think you were playing other drivers or something um so i would think like from the beginning she probably knew this was a potential career path for you even though she might have been uncomfortable through some of those wrecks did you did you guys ever talk about that that this is sort of going to be what you wanted to do and what you desired possibly um you know i i didn't really start till late uh, in my years, you know, I know a lot of kids start when they're five or six years old. Um, a lot of really successful kids yeah. and, uh, I didn't start till I was 14 and, um, I, I didn't really think about racing at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I didn't think it was a possibility at all, or I just, you know, wasn't really into it. Um, I knew I liked racing and all this stuff. But I never really thought about actually being a driver and, um, family friend of ours actually, Signed me up for a uh, quarter midget. For those of you that don't know, it's a four horsepower Honda powered uh, go kart. It's got a roll cage and everything. And uh, signed me up for uh, a class down in, in New Smyrna. It's the driving course. Um, and it was like me. I was like, I was like 13 at the time. And there's like <laughs> six, seven, and eight year olds. And I, I, of course, was the oldest. My head was like sticking out of the roll cage. And uh, I went out there and I, I had like so much fun. I'm like, this is this is a blast. I didn't really think anything more of it. And uh, they surprised me. It got me uh, this old use. It's like $200 uh, quarter midget. 
and uh, we just we go out on Friday nights, and you know it was a hobby of mine at the time. You know, we'd, we'd have practice nights every day, uh, every day after school on the twos on Tuesdays, and then Friday we go out and they do practice qualifying heats, um, and then main features. And uh, it's it definitely a hobby for a couple of years. It's fun, um, and then you know I think probably that that jump from quarter midgets the go karts to uh, to actually the the late models and super late models and uh, what they call the pro truck series down in Florida. I think that that was when I started to realize that, you know, this might be a career and I started to understand more about partnerships and the business aspect to it um, and learning more about myself as a driver and, you know, eventually started traveling um, and then running the K&N series and truck series. And I think the longer I've gone down this path, the more it's, it seemed like uh, an opportunity for it to, to really be a job at the end of the day. Huh. Uh, obviously racing has always been part of the family business. If, if you hadn't driven, would you still be, do you think involved in, in some form or fashion? I think so. Um, I definitely think so. You know, I think I've, I've kind of decided, uh, you know, going through college and everything and, and, and experiencing all of that, um, that I want to end up doing something, you know, whatever it is, I want to end up doing something in motorsports. Um, ideally, um, hopefully I, I can make the racing stuff work out, you know, and if, if I don't, maybe I, I spend a little more time on, on the business side of it and, and learning that. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had chances to, to kind of experience that a little bit growing up. Um, I, I did a couple internships at Daytona, uh, just different odd jobs around the seaway. And uh, I actually work at the Daytona 500 Experience, still Daytona USA is basically uh, a fan attraction. A lot of tourists would come through there. And um, we, we'd work different jobs, and I'd do that through the summer. And then after high school, and me and uh, one of my buddies, uh, we'd, just, we'd go like from 3 to 5 every day and then work on the weekends. And uh, it was a cool experience uh, just to kind of see – you know the sport but but see it from a different lens you know yeah. um see it with with guys that are going to tell you straight up like how it really is you know they're not gonna fluff it or you know put icing on the cake or anything they're going to tell you how it really is and uh you know it's it's been a cool experience to see all that i think in, in talking to your mom and talking to your uncle brian france uh i get the impression impression that um your grandfather would uh, kind of approach it the same way with them I've, i mean i've heard stories about I think your mom working in the ticket office and right. Brian doing all sorts of odd jobs around the speedway, maybe even being on garbage patrol at one point. I mean, is that <laughs> just sort of, uh, is that part of like, just, I guess maybe the indoctrination process of, of being a part of a, what, what would just be a family business for anybody else. It's just, this one just happens to be being in charge of NASCAR. Absolutely. Um, you know, I always hear stories of my uncle and my mom working different odd jobs growing up. Um, and, and when they were young too, I mean, I think my mom was like 14 or 15, uh, when she started, uh, selling tickets. So, and starting to learn that business and, um, you know, I, you know, that, that's, that's something they've always kind of told me that, um, you know, through, through my family and heritage and everything from my great grandfather to my grandfather, my grandfather, to my uncle and my mom, uh, that, you know, you might have an opportunity to, to be in the family business, but if you are, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to earn it. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think that's so cool to see um, and hear stories about that. 
And uh, I guess also on the other side of it is that, you know, if, if you ever did become successful in, you know, the family business, kind of like we talked about the winter personal, you want to feel like you earned it. You don't want to feel like you, you kind of cheated your way through it or, you know, got through any loopholes. You want to feel like you, you really did the work and put through the effort. And I think that's um, kind of something that, that the family's always kind of instilled in me and has instilled in generations before me. Right. Um, I was talking to your uncle, actually, for a story I did three years ago, and he, he brought you up and he said that um, some of the advice he'd given you was that he told you that uh, it's great if you're interested in NASCAR, but the important thing is to figure out, as he put it, how to add value. Uh, what's your mark going to be that you put on the family business? And Brian France said, you know, that's always how he looked at his situation, that he was given an opportunity but he felt he needed to find out how he could add value and he felt his, his way was to add value on the on the commercial side because he's he's good on the business side in your case it seems like he might have a unique opportunity to be in the driver's side and potentially be the behind the wheel might be where you add value yeah. uh how, how does that feel to, to maybe and because the rest of your family is is, is so immersed in the sport but in such a different way and you have a chance to do something that would make you uniquely different and right. every sort sort of the yeah of and, and he's mentioned to that that to me um several times just you know yeah. adding value and how he added value in my mom how my mom's added value to the sport um you know i think there's all sorts of ways to add value and uh you know this, this sport it's it's so cool but it's so diverse at the same time um mm-hmm. you think about it you have all the different series you have uh, marketing partnership sales entitlements you have the teams, the drivers, you have, I mean, all sorts of stuff. You have the tracks, you have, um, you know, all the different affiliates, networks, television, radio, X, Y, Z. There's so much to it. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, just my opinion is that the success, a lot of the success of sport is based on, you know, the the product that they put on the track. And uh, I think no matter what happens, you know, whether I end up racing for my lifetime or end up in the business somehow, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm getting this experience as a competitor. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing it firsthand. And like I said before, I'm seeing it candidly. Uh, I hear the pros and cons about everything. And, um, you know, I, I'm learning a lot about the competition side, which, you know, I feel like could potentially add value someday. Um, you know, just to hear, you know, you always hear the rumors and whatnot in the garage area, but um, to kind of get your own, thoughts and opinion on that and, and living and breathing it every single day, going to the racetrack, going to the shop, um, talking with the officials. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, whether or not the racing stuff works out, I think this will, you know, hopefully be beneficial to whatever I end up doing five, 10 years from now. Cause again, you're getting to see it from maybe a side that the family hasn't seen it before in terms of the team side, right? Right. As you said, yeah, the exactly. shop, understanding the sponsorship, you know, challenges and those sorts of things that maybe they don't see right. as much. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think the neat part of it too is at least growing up um, in, in racing, you know, I got to see the the team side of it and the competition side of it during the day, being at the shop, doing all that stuff. And then, um, you know, dinner table conversation was more so the business side of the sport. How was your day, mom? You know, right. <laughs> um, right. what, what's going on? So, um, I think it's it's neat that I, I kind of get to see a little bit of both um, and just kind of growing up the years. And, you know, even even though I'm not, you know, in an office building in Daytona or Charlotte, um, I'm still, you know, kind of 
staying up to date and thankfully you have social media nowadays and um, Google and all that stuff that you can look up all these stories and uh, and rumors and whatnot and and learn more about sport. I've heard your mom say actually too that uh, she's kind of looked at you and how you're using social media and, and tried to maybe apply that to ways that ISC and NASCAR can appeal to youth. Have, have you offered any suggestions or do you have any <laughs> thoughts on? Uh, I'm always what, offering suggestions. <laughs> uh, some of them get turned down. Some of them uh, seem like an okay idea. So uh, I've, uh, I've 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 always kind of I guess just stressed the importance of uh, social media. And I, th- I think what was neat for me is you know going to college and uh, you know just just living like a normal college kid. I went to college and uh, you know thankfully. Thankfully and unthankfully, nobody really knew who I was. Um, mm-hmm. I was just another random kid that uh, was hanging out in the dorm rooms in freshman year and uh, and lived in a little apartment sophomore and junior year. And, um, you know, it was cool to experience that. But I, th- I think what's been neat, too, is, is to try to just, like, be an observer throughout these four years of college. You know, see what the kids are watching on TV. What are they paying attention to? What are they not paying attention to? Um, who's interested in the sport and why are they interested in the sport? How do they get into the sport? Um, And, you know, then again, those that may not be watching the sport, why aren't they watching the sport? Hmm. Um, You know, what's what's not fascinating to them? And it's interesting because um, just from my experience, a lot of them that, that weren't necessarily into the sport haven't been to a race before. They've never experienced sitting in the grandstands, sitting in the infield, um, and, and, you know, just going through a race weekend and kind of experiencing all the thrills and whatnot. Um, so I, I think that's been a really good experience. And, and part of that, like you said, is the whole social media aspect of it, is that we were always on social media and always up with whatever's new. And, you know, it started with Facebook and then it went to uh, Instagram and Twitter and then eventually Vine and now Snapchat. Um, and, and, you know, staying up to date with, I consider it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Snapchat. I mean, those are those are the four you know key social media accounts, and uh, staying up to date with all that and, and being interactive of it, um, I think is pretty important for the sport. And I've I've tried to get my mom involved in it, and she's gotten better at Twitter. She actually she tweeted uh, after my win the other night, which is pretty pretty cool. I think it's <laughs> I think it's a pretty popular tweet. Um, but uh, it's, so you were the one who got her on Twitter? Is that I was? That yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I got her into Twitter a couple of years ago, um, and. Uh, you know, I was, my selling point was, Mom, like, this is such a good way for you to, like, get news. You can follow um, NBC and AP and, like, all these other news sources, and you can stay up to date more than your friends. She's like, oh, i got to get into this. And uh, <laughs> eventually she, she's gotten into it, and now she follows my races on, on social media um, if she's not there. And, uh, and she can follow, you know, cup races or whatnot, and, and she's starting to get the hang of it a little bit. So the key for you, do you think, for um, attracting a younger demographic for NASCAR, is it is it getting younger kids to races, or is it communicating to them through those platforms that you're talking about that they're using? Is it one or the other more important? Or um, I think it was a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, we uh, we we actually we we'd have uh, these groups. They would actually go to the race in Daytona. They were actually um, some of my college friends and some kids I knew, some kids I didn't know, and they would actually all, all go out to Daytona hang out in the field and experience a race. Um, and they, they did this event every year, I think it's for the unlimited or shootout or something. And, um, you know, just, just hearing about, you know, oh, I can't wait for next year. I can't wait to be back at the racetrack. Um, 
and, and it was actually probably one of the most popular events of the year, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, you know, seeing that a lot of them, and you know, I, I met a bunch of my friends and you know, found my little group in college, um, and, and talking to them, you know, just about all of them didn't think we were athletes. Uh, had never been to the race before. Had never watched on TV. If they watched on TV, they seen a couple laps at Daytona 500, um, and, and never really understood. Like you know, we're actually wheeling these things for the yard. It's not like we're driving down the street right. and turning the blinker on, got our AC on, listening right. to the radio. It's right. it's not like that. Um, and, and living with these kids for four years and them kind of seeing my habits and, um, and and whatnot, and and me always. I mean, every single weekend turning on the Xfinity race or the cup race and sitting there watching on TV. And then next thing you know, they'd be sitting down with me watching it. Uh, just kind of seeing them go through four years and at the end of it, they were like race fans now. Like they are, they're actually into it. They're watching on TV. Um, so I think a big part of it is, is just getting them immersed and involved in the sport. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody has never been an NASCAR fan or has never been to a race, you know, I'd say pick a track that's close to you find a driver that you can relate to at the end of the day, you know, find a favorite driver, whether you relate to him, whatever it is, and then go out and, and cheer him on in the stands and, uh, and tell me how it is. And nine times out of 10, they, they think it's pretty cool. I got one more for you, Ben, kind of related to that. Um, I think this was also at the 2014 media day. I heard you once describe racing sort of as being like an addiction and that you were a person who you grew up in Daytona. So you're waking up at your house and you're hearing like the sounds of the Rolex 24 running, all day long in January um, and that being around racing made you want to be a part of it even more. What, 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 what's the source of that? Like what, what can you, can you explain like how that addiction begins with racing and like how, cause I think it's kind of at the core of what you're talking about there, how to get people involved and how to get them have a rooting interest. Like what, what is it about racing that, that got you addicted and has made you become more and more immersed in it? Um, gosh, I don't really know. <laughs> I guess I've, I've been around it my whole life. Um, you know, gosh, growing up, I, I can't remember a Daytona 500 in my life that I missed <laughs> or a Coke Zero 400 for that matter. Um, so, um, yeah. But I there was never an, a time where it's like, no, no more of this. I've had enough. It was like you always wanted more, even though you're yeah. constantly surrounded by it. I, I think you have times where, you know, like growing up short track race and you have a bad night and you're like, just want to get so far away from this i never want to talk about it or hear it again you wake up the next morning you're like gosh i can't wait for the next race <laughs> <laughs> so um you know I, I i think it's difficult for me to to kind of explain just because i've been around it my whole life um i think a big part of it though is um like i said is understanding it like understanding uh you know what the teams are going through what you know the officials are thinking about what's going on in the tower what the fans are thinking what's going on on social media uh just you know the experience and you know when i watch a race you know i think i think sometimes you know some people might see oh it's just another car going around the racetrack but you know, there's a lot going on inside that car um you know drivers are thinking a lot it might be tight it might be loose and you know, i i i think i see things that some others don't and it, it just it gets me really kind of into it because I, I understand and can relate to it in a way. Right. Well, um, appreciate you being here. We'll certainly be watching you and relating to what you're doing on track for the rest of the season. And uh, appreciate you giving me so much of your time. Thanks, Ben. Cool. Thanks for having me. Our thanks again to Ben Candy for joining us. Thanks as well to Tim Southers and Hannah Harrison of NASCAR IMC. 
and Heather Griffin at GMS Racing for helping coordinate the interview. Thanks, as always, to Tess Quinlan for producing the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Tess got the podcast a huge bump in exposure last week by having our Tony Stewart and Jimmy Johnson episodes featured on the front page of iTunes. You can subscribe to the podcast there for automatic downloads of new episodes. And as always, the NASCAR and NBC podcast also is available on Audioboom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and a plethora of other smartphone apps. Also, check out those places for the NBC Sports podcast lineup. Rob Doster, who does a great job with the coverage at College Basketball Talk on NBCSports.com, has a new episode of his podcast up last week. Topics include the non-controversy controversy of Jim Beheim talking Carmelo Anthony, a journalism ethics discussion, I always enjoy those, and which coach would you not want to fight? So that's the College Basketball Talk on NBC Sports podcast worth checking out. If you have ideas for guests, suggestions, questions on the NASCAR and NBC podcast, please send me feedback on Twitter. That's at Nate Ryan. Always interested in hearing what people liked and what else they'd like to hear in the program. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. We appreciate you listening and hope you enjoyed it. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.